morning, everybody. My name is Ryan. If I haven't met you, welcome to the Patch Chapel. Um, in, in Patch Chapel style, we like to begin with the Word of God. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10, verses 7 through 11. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 11. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 11 says this. Jesus said again, I truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and will go out and find pasture. A thief comes to only still kill and destroy i have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep this is the word of the lord oh please stand as we sing our first hymn please turn in your hymnal to 696 seated. Again, uh, welcome to our, to our humble Patch Chapel service. Um, we believe that we worship a God who has open arms and who is welcoming. So from the moment you walked in this place, we hope that you felt that. We hope that you felt the warmth and acceptance and love that we have in this place. Uh, when you came in, you should have received a bulletin. Did everybody get one? If not, you could raise your hand and one of our uh, helpers will help you get one. Okay, we do this for several reasons. We want to let you know what's going on in the life of our, of our community. We have something for everybody. We have something from, from the most uh, experienced in life here to the youngest. We have youth groups. Uh, we're currently going through a teaching series on the excellence of Jesus. So week by week, we've been learning something about Jesus and, and his excellence. And 
it's going to culminate in, in Passion Week. So we're celebrating resurrection, but until then, it's every week is about uh, the excellence of Jesus. Next week, February 26th, uh, we collect an offering here because we, wanna, we want to teach uh, our children and, and all of us that, that giving is a part of our worship. But while once a month we have the offering goes specifically to an, an organization. So next week it's going to go to Heartbeat International. And this one was a recommendation by Max Yost. Yes, one of our, one of our youth. What is he, like 12 years old? He said, we should give to this organization. And Heartbeat International is a local ministry which supports the dignity of human life and supports families in life-giving pregnancy. So just, just an amazing ministry, and it's local, and that's what we want to do. We want, we want to be praying for and to be influencing the immediate community because God never messes up on our address. He never messes up on our PCS. He has us here for a reason, making impact here on Patch and then into, our, into the local community. Okay, so uh, we also have a, a prayer ministry if you're interested in that. It's probably one of the most powerful ministries you'll be, ever be a part of. Talk to Chaplain Porter. I'm going to go down to uh, excellence of Jesus in art. So, uh, Kate Porter, are you going to make an announcement about that? Yes. Let's give Kate a round of applause. For those of you who do not know me, I am Kate Porter, and I am helping organize our chapel art display. As many of you know, our theme is the excellence of Jesus. Chaplain Brian and I were talking, and the question arose of how exactly do you portray the excellence of Jesus through art? And one way we thought is that you can use scenes from Jesus' life. For example, Jesus calmed the wind and waves. You could paint a picture of him doing that, or you could paint a picture of the ocean to show his beauty and magnificence. Jesus came to die for us, showing us forgiveness. You could write a poem or a song about forgiveness. So there are many ways you can portray the excellence of Jesus through art, but in case you're wondering, that was one way you could do it. And just as a reminder, our collection date is Palm Sunday. Thank you. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm participating in that, so I'm actually going to show my art next week. I made a, I have a, a video editing ministry. It's just something personally I've done, but uh, it could be any, any medium. So mine's a video about surfing and how that relates to how God uh, meets our every need. You'll have, to, you'll have to come next week to see it. And speaking of, so we record our sermons and we, we have audio recording and then we edit them and we put them online. Just so that people, if they, if they want to go back and see the series, uh, we've actually had people in this congregation that said, hey, I, I found your service. I was just searching YouTube for Patch Chapel, and they found it. So, but it's also, I, I would like to give away this ministry and empower you and teach you how to shoot, edit, and make videos in a, in a former life. That's, that's what I did, and I, I love doing it. It's one of the it's one of the most blessed things that I do is shoot a video of someone and then give it to them and see, watch the joy on their face. So we do that uh, every day, I mean, every Sunday, right in there. I'll just go in the corner and I'll plug in my computer to the TV and then you could, we just reps and sets on, on editing. I'll show you how, how it happens. Okay, Youth Ministry, Grady, our, our Club Beyond Director, do you have anything to pass? Okay. Grady, uh, for the, for, so every Thursday after school, Thursday, right here. And how many kids are showing up to that typically? Uh, 45, 45. I've seen videos of this thing. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The games they play. And so, okay. If, uh, yes, if you're a youth, you can get over there on Thursdays. Um, okay. I think that's it. Uh, would you please stand as we sing our second hymn? Oh, it's, it's on the, it's behind me.
please be seated. And now we will hear a passage from the Word of God. Good morning. Our first scripture reading comes from Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 16. And our second reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 16, can be found on page 612 in your pew Bibles. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophecy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord. Because my flock, lacking a shepherd, has become prey and food for every wild animal, and because my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than the flock, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they, do, so that they will not be food for them. For this is what the Lord says. See, I myself will search for the flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, Abandon the injured and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. And then 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, can be found on page 859 on your Pew Bibles. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It's uh, very important. It's very important that every day we practice confession of sin uh, to God, to each other. But there's a special time we have here in our service where, where we just quiet our hearts the week is a long time to be able to rack up something to confess. 
And at any point in our lives, we could say, think, or do something, or not do something that God wants us to do, that he's called us to do, and it puts us in a place of being out of fellowship with the Lord. But God, in his grace, has provided a way to always be in the light as he is in the light, to always restore fellowship, and it's through confession. And the verse is 1 John 1, 9 in your Bibles. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So at any point in our lives, if, when, because we miss the mark, that's never our identity, but it happens, we just simply go to God and we say, I did this. I did this the other, the other day, um, as I'm a geo-batch dad right now, uh, and Jeanette's and traveling with, with some ladies. There was a point in my house where I needed to step aside and say, I'm being really mean. And I'm saying this to the Lord. I said, that was not nice. What I did was very mean. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. You see how it works? I I didn't beg God for his forgiveness. I didn't plead with him. I said, Lord, I'm doing this. It's wrong. Thank you for your forgiveness. And then I'll walk back into the room and made it right. uh, Vertical forgiveness and then horizontal forgiveness. So let's take about 60 seconds just to quiet our hearts, to come before God and to, to say to God what we've done and then thank him for forgiveness. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you so much for your grace because we so desperately need it. And for those who are believers in Christ, we actually have it. And we can approach the throne of grace with confidence every day. And Lord, we're, we're not broken about our weaknesses. We actually boast in our weaknesses because um, in our weaknesses, we're, we're strong. And we can go before you with confidence and be completely honest, and then receive your forgiveness. Lord, thank you for that vertical forgiveness, and we choose to have that horizontally with each other, with our neighbors, with our family members, with our co-workers, and with the, the local community here in Baden-Wittenberg in Germany. May everybody see our works and praise the Father. So, Lord, we now transition into the worship of you through the hearing of the teaching of your word, the studying of the word. I pray that you would bless and speak through Pastor Eric as he is rightly divided over the word. We pray that this would uh, bear fruit in our lives. And it's in your son's name we pray this. Amen. This past week, I, I found myself watching a uh, BBC, British Broadcasting Corporation, video and news feed about what was happening and is still happening in, in uh, Syria and in uh, southern Turkey, as we now we say Turkey, but absolutely tragic. Um, as you know from the news, if you watched it, a series of earthquakes struck hard and, and uh, struck fast and caused widespread damage. Floors of apartment buildings uh, stacked like pancakes. Um, 200 aftershocks followed. Um, this happened a couple of weeks ago, as you know. Over 100,000 people were injured. And the current count of people who are missing and who have died are somewhere between 42,000 47,000 people. It's not far from 50,000 people. I'm thinking about that. To give a little perspective on it, um, the population of Boblingen, just outside of Panzer, has a population 
of 50,470 people. Imagine the population of Boblingen gone in a couple of days. Young families and uh, older families, so just everything taken so unexpectedly. There's a story that I'm um, being caught my mind from the BBC to talk about a family who saved a lot of money over the years to buy a new apartment in a brand new complex, a brand new apartment complex. Picture yourself and your family. You saved all this money through the years, the excitement, the anticipation of, of a new home and a new building, only to see it collapse in an instant. And as you know, most of the world doesn't have insurance. And remember today, it's not just Syria anymore. It's um, rebel-occupied Syria and regime-occupied Syria. Thousands of refugees already, already without a home, right? And will probably never see their home again. Lots of injustice there. Turkey's government as well is so very guarded All of this makes for such a complicated area of the world, so unstable, so unpredictable, so unprepared um, to respond to a devastating earthquake. But there are lots of different kinds of injustices beyond beyond these natural um, disasters that happen. A husband doesn't come home because of flight, the the manning issues, um, poverty you see in the world, um, the, the ugliness of war that most of us in this room have seen and touched personally. Corruption. Our ears um, have heard it, our eyes have seen it. Some of us in this room, um, the memories of it, I know for myself too, I can't shake what I've seen in the past. Lots of little injustices too. Um, an evaluation report that doesn't go right, your boss doesn't like you, you've You've served this chapel for 30-some years, and, and a new guy comes in and doesn't understand. Injustices happen all the time, everywhere. You can't escape it. So how do you deal with suffering? How do you deal with pictures like this? How do you filter them? How do you process them in your mind? Um, some of us, sometimes naturally, express our outrage at God. We poke holes at his character. Even his his existence. We all might have said it, but we thought it. How could a good God allow suffering, allow such a thing? Others of us turn pragmatic. Um, What can I do to help? What 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 can I give? What can I sign up to do? We channel our anger into action. Um, Some of us look to government. We just need to build better systems. We need to require better, better regulation. Um, In the BBC video I was watching, um, the outrage was there and loud. Where is the government? People were screaming, how come nobody's here to help us? And for some of us, it's just easier not to look. It's too painful to watch. It's not my part of the world. Besides, I mean, what, what can I do to help? But God is not silent God is not silent about suffering and injustice. Um, What most impresses me about the scriptures is that God doesn't hide it. He doesn't hide the pain. He doesn't hide the confusion. He doesn't hide poverty. He doesn't cover up corruption. Most of the books of the Bible are very transparent about it. The book of Job, Jeremiah, Lamentations, several of the New Testament letters were written by a man written in a prison cell unjustly. The scriptures we read this morning from the book of Ezekiel record how the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, were not doing their job, caused abuse, it causes neglect, and God will hold leaders accountable for not doing their job. So why does God allow pain? Why does he allow suffering? Theodicy is what we call it in a, in a, more, more a, in a academic setting. If you really want to think it through, if you really want to challenge yourself a bit, if you want to think about it, talk to me. Come, let's have a conversation. I have some books I brought with me today. If you'd like to go home and read some of th- about this from people who are 
are well-versed in the subject. I can give you these books to read and something to think about it. But what I've seen in life is that even if I or someone presents to you a good argument, debate will not rest your soul. Because there's something else going on in your soul that only God can soften, only God can heal your soul. My job is to lovingly present the word of God for you to hear. But God is the one who does the soul surgery. So today, um, I want you to look at Jesus. Today, I invite you to see Jesus, his example in suffering. And he, through the example of suffering, invites us to follow his example and to walk in his footsteps. Today, I'd like to read from the Word of God, which is found in the book of 1 Peter. If there's one person who I think can help us understand Jesus as a suffering shepherd, it's the man who saw Jesus up close. Peter was an eyewitness to Jesus. He followed Jesus' example very closely, and he walked in his footsteps. Tradition says that uh, Peter suffered just like his Lord. Tradition says that Peter was crucified just like Jesus. But feeling so unworthy, Peter was crucified upside down. Peter wrote two short letters. You'll find them near the end of your Bible. If you read over just the first letter of 1 Peter, these are the words that will be highlighted. You'll hear trials, testing, hypocrisy, slander, waging war, enduring sorrow, suffering unjustly. This letter was likely written in the time of Emperor Nero, 54-68 AD. Sometime in your life, read the culture of unjust suffering under Emperor Nero. It will help you understand the context better of Peter's letters. I also think it's interesting. Do you know who Peter wrote his letters to? Who were the audience of Peter's letters? Peter's letters were written to what is today modern Turkey. To those suffering in Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia, modern-day Turkey. Isn't that ironic? Peter's letters are a short read. Take the Lord's Day Sunday to read them through at home later on. Well worth your time. But today we're just going to look at a short part of Peter's letters. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21-25. You can follow along at 858, page 858 in your pew Bible if you're interested. The excellence of Jesus as a suffering, suffering shepherd. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. We're reading from the English Standard Version. For to this you have been called, Peter writes. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled or insulted, he did not revile or insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd an overseer of your souls. So how do we make sense of injustices, sufferings of life? Peter gives us his answer, and I'll bet it's something you would not expect. Peter says, instead of trying to figure out why the injustices are happening, Peter says, take a different approach. Peter says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow his example. 
And Peter would do that, wouldn't he? Peter, of all people, would know that. It's Peter who was the one who was walking on the ocean with the Lord. His eyes were on the Lord. When he took his eyes off, he fell in the ocean. Peter learned to keep his eyes fixed on Jesus. Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times for his crucifixion. He's sitting at the fire, but then his eyes locked with Jesus. Peter has learned to keep his eyes on Jesus. So Peter says this to you and me today. He says, Christ was suffered for you, leaving you an example. So follow in his footsteps. He wants to see Jesus' example. And this is what we're going to look at today. Three quick points from our text. First, Jesus he committed no sin. While in suffering, no deceit was in his mouth. Second point, Jesus continually entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Point three, Jesus himself, this is important, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So, verse 21, verse 22, the first thing that Peter wants us to see, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his footsteps. Jesus committed no sin, And here it is, the point. There was no deceit found in his mouth. Can we just stop for a second to think about that thought? Jesus, no deceit in his mouth, a pure truth speaker. How comforting it must be to be in his presence, a man that always had pure, truthful words. But also how frightening it must have been too to Bez's presence. Always a truth speaker in your presence with him. But even just as impressive, if not even more, even under great stress when Jesus was mistreated, when he was misrepresented, all the injustices that Jesus faced, he spoke the truth at all times. No deceit what is in his mouth. And that is the example that Jesus gives to you and to me, Jesus' modern-day followers today. When things get hard, no deceit in our mouths. One of the reasons we have military academies, the Air Force, the Navy, Army, Coast Guard, Marine Academy, the Merchant Marines, is to prepare cadets and to prepare midshipmen for seasons of great stress that they will experience as military officers, often in combat. Cadets and midshipmen are given a crushing academic load. Um, There's a requirement to be on competitive teams, afternoon drill and parade practice, and through all four years, a variety of increasing and overwhelming demands All the academies, you might say, their purpose, a four-year test of stress. But what I think makes academies special and different from other famous universities is their honor code. West Point's code reads this way. A cadet will not lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do so. Future officers... Under periods of great stress, will you lie? Will you cover up the truth? Will you embellish it to make yourself look good? Can your word as an officer be trusted? Will deceit be found in your mouth? West Point has a way of helping cadets figure out if there is deceit in their mouth. Cadets at an early, early year are required to memorize this. Call it. Three rules of thumb. Read it with me. Does this action attempt to deceive anyone or allow anyone to be deceived? Does the action gain, allow, or deny the gain of privilege or advantage to which I or someone else would not otherwise be entitled? Would I be satisfied by the outcome if I were on the receiving end of this action? Here's the reality. No honor code, no rules of thumb, no good intentions 
of the best cadet or officer will filter out the deceit of our human heart. No human being, no general, can live this out perfectly in all of his life. That's why Peter says, remember Jesus. Follow his example. Jesus has given us believers, true believers, a helper to do this. It's the person of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. The Holy Spirit convicts us, reminds us to be true speakers when times get tough. And remember, Jesus said, he said, I'm going away. I give you this helper. I, the Holy Spirit is your helper. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit in deeper and deeper ways. To remind us of Jesus' example in times of injustice. And also, and also, Jesus' forgiveness for us when we inevitably do fall short in our speech. Verse 23, Peter wants us to see a second quality of Jesus. Verse 23, it says, when Jesus was reviled or insulted, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I want you to think back See if you can remember a moment when someone said something or did something to you that insulted you. Remember the moment? Remember how it felt to be insulted? Can you remember a time? Whatever they said, whatever they did, they probably thought it was funny, but it wasn't because it stung and it hurt. Can you remember a time when someone did something to hurt you? Regardless of how you responded back then, I want you to practice doing something different in this moment. Instead of insulting back, instead of, and even instead of carrying the pain and carrying the hurt that it caused, I want you to practice in your mind entrusting Yourself entrusting the moment to the one who judges justly. It's the mark of Christian growth. Continually entrusting yourself, the situation, the moment to him who judges justly. Because your sharp reply doesn't help. The wounding insult that you fire back doesn't help. And carrying the wound doesn't help either. Does Jesus teach us to say nothing, just to be a doormat? No, he doesn't. Is it appropriate to speak the truth in the moment? Yes, it is. Saying things like, that hurt. No, that's not true. It's not funny. Good things, appropriate things to say, but Jesus' example reminds us to not respond to insults, to not threaten back so, when someone insults you, wait. Give it time. It's not the right time to fire back. Entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. Because he sees the perspective of the moment. He knows the people around you ways that you do not. There is a better way. This is Jesus' way. His example to us today. A third quality that Peter wants us to see and how to respond to Jesus in suffering is in verse 24. We read, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin, live to righteousness. Let me read that again. Excuse me just a second. Read that text again. Verse 24. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin, live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
If there's one, one thing I hope you remember about the excellence of Jesus, I hope it's this. Jesus himself bears sins, not you. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, not you. A question for you. I hope you can give thought to this question with some, with some good introspective thought. Are you caring any sins from others? Are you caring any sins that others have done to you If you are, send them over to Jesus. You cannot carry the sins of others yourself. It is a burden that you were not meant to carry. It will occupy your brain space in a way that God meant for you to use your brain in other ways. Whatever you ever happened to you was unfair, and you've suffered long enough. No reason to keep carrying the sins of others. That is Jesus' job. It's time to let him go. Hear the word of God today. Jesus himself bore our sins on his body on the tree. If you're carrying the sins of others, send them over to Jesus. The second thought, second question Are you carrying sins from your past? Memories from your past, serious regrets that you can't let go. You cannot carry your sin forever. It will wear you out. Let them go. Name each memory. Send them over to Jesus. God's written word, declare it with authority over your body, your mind, your soul. Remember this, Jesus, here it is. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus bears sins, not you. These are very important questions. If you'd like to pray after the service together, talk together during the week next week, let's do, let's make the time. It's hard to carry sins, and it's very important to transfer them over to the only one who can carry sins. It's also a good reminder from our first week, remember that Jesus is fully God. And if Jesus is fully God and fully eternal, that means his sacrifice is eternal. He covers sin from all time. He carries all sin from your past, from the present, even the future. From Hebrews 10, a good text to keep ready in your mind. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Every priest stands daily at the service. Every human priest offers repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Do you get it? A light hopefully goes on in your Christian mind that all of your sin, past, present, and future, is completely absorbed by Jesus. That is the good news. Very important for us as Christians to own. So trust the authority of God's word today. Jesus himself bore your sins, not you. But don't miss the role that we have. Don't miss this powerful next movement that is on the back end of this verse. Jesus bore our sins in his body, he said, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Do you get it? So since Jesus has died to sin, you do the same. And you get it? That's how suffering and injustice are cut off. Because when we ourselves die to sin and live to, live to righteousness, the injustices, as far as from our part, stops. That's why Peter so appropriately at the end says, for by his wounds, you are healed. And at Peter, I would, I'm sure he'd say, not just you are healed, but the people around you are healed as well.
So, quick summary, quick, quick recap of what we thought today. I want you to remember it. Jesus is suffering. He gives us an example. No deceit in his mouth. You do the same. Jesus did not respond with insult. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Thirdly, Jesus, in his example, bore our sins. It's not for you to carry, but we die to sin and we live to righteousness. Peter ends with this little beautiful expression at the end. He says in verse 25, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. If you have been straying, like all of us have been straying, perhaps you look like this. True story. Um, Jody came up in our news feed the other day, and we read it, we shared it, and even though the real story happened a couple years ago in 2021, um, we just read it yesterday, and I thought it'd be appropriate to share. It says, and this is a true story, a man happened in Australia, was in the forest, and he saw this massive ball of walking cotton. And what had happened is, is that he had found and stumbled across a sheep that had probably been, that had been lost for over five years. No shepherd. No one to prune his life. You get it? No community to walk in, no accountability in his life. The sheep was a walking mass of 80 pounds of wool. The sheep could hardly walk, but they found the sheep, and they cared for the sheep. The person took him in, and with a lot of shearing, even though it was painful, it was painful to move from where you were to where you are. It helped him, and he gave him confidence, and the sheep could walk, and people could, you know, how sheep like to dance around and jump around in fields. He, he could do that. He could dance again because he returned to community. He had been straying, but returned to a shepherd. This past week, I spent um, the week with about a hundred other under shepherds. Jesus is the true shepherd, but we have a hundred other shepherds, um, army chaplains. I met at a conference. Um, we had about a hundred army chaplains met together um, who represent all around the European theater. But the highlight for me came when our group was able to meet over the internet with him. Three shepherds who are part of the Ukrainian army. If anyone knows anything about suffering and injustice, it's our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. This man at the center of the screen here, his name is Konstantin. He's flanked by two other younger Ukrainian chaplains. You could hear the urgency, you could hear the sincerity in their voices, which I don't hear often in the Army Chaplain Corps. But he wrote down... Um, and he gave us um, some ways that we could pray for him and pray for the Ukrainian army. I wrote them down as well. And this is what Constantine said to all of us. He said, first, pray for our warriors. Pray for our families. He said, pray for those who have illness on the front lines. Pray for the soldiers who are missing on the front lines. And pray for Ukraine as we defend not just our nation, as we defend all civilization. That was his word. Chaplains in European nations are small in number. They're not like, like the U.S. Army. Chaplains in other nations are lonely. They don't have the resources. And uh, they, they do look up to the United States Army for our good example. But I pray they don't look at us. I pray they keep their eyes on the true shepherd, the better example, Jesus. 
During this conference, my friend Kelly Porter, I don't know if he's here, where is Kelly? I miss him. But my friend Kelly Porter today um, gave me a gift. It was a little book that Kelly received from a from the only Protestant evangelical Christian pastor chaplain in Romania. In Orthodox rich Romania, he was the only Protestant chaplain, and his name is Gabby. Gabby Gregorius. Question for you. If you were the only Protestant evangelical chaplain in Romania, what would help you? What do you think this shepherd from Romania needs to hear? What would make his day special? I happen to have Pastor Gabby's email address. I got it from Kelly and gave it to me. I tested it out, and I wrote Gabby a couple days ago, and I said, Hi, I'm praying for you. My name's Eric Bryan. I have a chapel here. We are, we are many, but we'd like to pray for you. Could I mention your name to my fellow Christians at Patch Barrett? She said, Of course. I'd be honored. If you have the time this week, if you'd like to, would you like to encourage him by writing him a letter? Tell him he's not alone. Tell him about the excellence of Jesus as far as you've seen it right now. He is the shepherd we need to keep our eyes on. Tell him what you've learned, that there's no deceit in Jesus' mouth when times get hard. Encourage him to continually entrust himself to the judge who judges justly. And remind this shepherd, as you need to remind yourself, that Jesus himself is the one who bears all injustices so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We cannot put an end to the injustices and suffering in Europe, but we can make a small dent through prayer, through encouragement, to writing a sincerity, sincereful thought to a man in Romania. You never know how Jesus will use your fish and your small loaves to feed many. So, consider it. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's sing a closing hymn together, encouraging to us all. Let's sing it together. My faith has found a resting place. Hymn number 528.